Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. And I want to speak this morning on this subject, the washing of the word. The washing of the word. God bless you. you may be seated. Thank you for standing. We started talking a few days ago about the pattern that the tabernacle that we read about in the Old Testament was designed and how it was laid out directly from heaven as a path for man to be able to meet God. Beginning with the fact that the very essence of the tabernacle, which found its ultimate fulfillment in the incarnation, the Bible says God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, was and is man meeting God. And that this tabernacle was God's first effort to establish a process or a pattern for how men might meet God. We started this conversation a few days ago as we started tracking our way through the tabernacle design, recognizing that there was nothing about the tabernacle that was by happenstance. There was nothing about the materials or the design or the furniture or even the priestly approach that was arbitrary or that was somehow left up to the whim or the fancy of mortal man. But indeed, it was by divine design. It was with the command clearly given that if in fact men were able to meet with God, then it would be done according to the pattern. The Bible says that the commandment was given, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. It was for that very distinctive purpose that the God of heaven gave the children of Israel in the wilderness a design for that tabernacle. He said it is for the purpose that I may dwell among them. Let me pause for a moment to say this, ladies and gentlemen. What a great God we have who desires to dwell among us. He is not a God that's far out there, out of reach or out of touch. He's not some God beyond the furthest star that you can see in a telescope and not touched by you and I and the cares of our daily life. But He is a God, the Bible says, that is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He is moved by what you and I face on a daily basis. And so he gave a very specific design, precise in its dimensions, intricate in detail, vivid in its imagery. Heaven was coming to earth and men could only come to God on God's terms, not their own. I think it is important for us to make that distinction because that is counterintuitive to modern day Christianity. That you and I can somehow mosey into God's presence uh, on our own leisure and by our own path. But I rise today to tell you that if you and I are going to meet God, it's going to be on His terms, not on your terms. Thus the pivotal commandment was given, let them make me a sanctuary according to all that I show thee. Exodus 25 and 8. Nothing more Nothing less. I remind you that 40 verses, two chapters were given to creation, but 400 verses and five books were given to the tabernacle. We ignore the pattern and the path 
of the tabernacle at our own peril. In the last lesson, we considered the first thing encountered by man in his bid to approach God within the enclosure, surrounded by linen hangings of some seven feet high, but outside the tent itself. The very first thing a man met was the brazen altar, signaling unmistakably that any man and every man's approach to the Almighty must necessarily begin with sacrifice. Something has to die. You don't want to hear that, do you? Something has to die. Brazen altar was by far the largest piece of furniture. Large enough, in fact, that every other piece of furniture, candlesticks, table of showbread, altar of incense, and even the Ark of the Covenant, they could all fit into the brazen altar. Both within and without the tent, everything else could fit into the brazen altar. It was that broad, it was that deep. That altar was just over four feet high or within reach of any man. And according to scholars, the same height as the Ark of the Covenant. Symbolizing this, that the glory of God that one could expect to experience once they got into the Holy of Holies would have to be equal to the sacrifice that was made on that brazen altar. God met you at your level of sacrifice with equal glory. We want big arcs of the covenant, but we want small brazen altar. But it's not going to work that way, ladies and gentlemen. You want the glory of God. You want the blessing of God. You want the favor of God. You're going to have to build a big altar and say, not my will, but thy will be done. And so this brazen altar has application in our prayers. In that it is where we die, where we sacrifice ourselves. Paul said, I die daily. Meaning that this old will has to die. Where we give ourselves up to God. The Colossian letter teaches us, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So today, ladies and gentlemen, in our journey through the tabernacle and into the presence of God through prayer, we stop at the second item within the enclosure but without the tent. And that was the labor of washing, which obviously together with the brazen altar has significance and symbolizes repentance and water baptism. Keeping with the pattern of both the New Testament and the Old Testament, the brazen altar, the labor of washing, and the holy of holies that we read about in that tabernacle of the Old Testament was just a foreshadowing of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is also identified as the New Testament church was established in the book of Acts when they were pricked in their heart after a conviction that fell upon each of them as Peter preached to them on the day of Pentecost. They said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, What must we do to be saved? And Peter said, You must repent of your sins. That's the brazen altar. That's the death of Christ. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the labor of water. That's the burial. 
The Bible says in Romans 6, 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that we shall arise in newness of life. And then he said, ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, recognizing that if we are buried in baptism, if we have that crucifixion of our own flesh through repentance, recognizing that the blood, that spotless blood that came from Jesus Christ is applied to us through repentance, that then, as Romans eight eleven says, we can have the same spirit that Christ had. If the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We are preparing to do the Messiah drama. We will go through all of the crucifixion. We will go through the fact that they bury him in the tomb. But ladies and gentlemen, at this resurrection season, we are also reminded that it did not stop in the tomb and it did not stop at Calvary. But there was a resurrection and you and I have access to that same spirit today. We can have a resurrection spirit in our lives so that you can live every day knowing that our God is a God of new beginnings. You don't have to live with your past. You don't have to live under the shame of your past. That's why the tabernacle was established. He said, make a brazen altar. And he said, that's going to die. Whether it be of blood and goats, the blood will be shed. And then he said, as they leave that brazen altar, they've got to go and wash in the laver of water. you got to be cleansed. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to go into the presence of God, we can't just come traipsing up into the presence of God without preparing ourselves in prayer, without preparing ourselves with the washing of his word. There's got to be something done on our part to say, God, I desire to meet with you today. Anybody in this house hungry for more than just going through the motions? You desire to meet God? He has given us a pattern for that. And just as blood and water came out of the side of Jesus when they stuck that spear into his side as he hung on that cross. The Bible says that blood and water flowed out of his side. It is important to recognize that 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 flowed from Jesus' side on the cross was also the fulfillment of these first two things that they encountered in the tabernacle. The altar where the blood was shed and the labor of water where men washed to be clean. And that, my friend, is also a legitimate observation as well as an accurate scriptural image and type. Certainly one that we celebrate and experience in our own lives today. We recognize, as the New Testament said, that he that believeth and is baptized. Everything that took place in that tabernacle was a progression. They didn't stop at the brazen altar. They didn't just stop there. They made their way to the labor of water. They made their way into the, into the, into the holy place where the table of showbread and the candlesticks were. And we will get to that in the days to come. But it was a progression. It was not to stop. It ought to be a reminder to us today that we do not stop when we only ask God to forgive us of our sin. There's something greater than the sinner's prayer. There is the baptism and the washing of his word. That cleanses us. Not just some outward sign of an inward confession. It is obedience to the word of God. And when you and I obey the word of God, that's when we are washed by his word. Every single human being must be washed by his word. As we study this and understand that exploring the tabernacle 
was not only in the context of being a type and a shadow of the cross and ultimately the new birth experience, but more specifically, it was a beautiful biblical pattern of man's approach to God. Man's approach to God. A careful and thoughtful look at this laver of water is something that I believe is so important because together with some inviolable truths from God's Word, we understand that it reveals an even deeper purpose and meaning governing man's ability to meet God again and again and again through prayer and through obedience to the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you this rhetorical question today. Is there anything greater than you and I as human beings being able to meet with the God of glory? Consider that today, that you and I as mere mortals can be given an audience with the creator of this universe. I don't know what's on your bucket list. I don't know. Maybe there's some famous person you want to meet or some famous place you want to visit. But can I tell you, there is nothing greater than meeting with the king of kings and one day visiting that new Jerusalem and walking on streets of gold. I don't have a bucket list. I got a trumpet list with the trumpet sounds. I want to be ready to meet the Lord. One day we'll all stand before him. One day we'll all give an account, the Bible says, of every idle thought. But right now, you and I on a daily basis can come into the presence of God. We can do it through the pattern that he laid out. Hear what God said to Moses. Thou shalt also make a laver of brass. And his foot also of brass to wash withal. Thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. And thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet there. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation. They shall wash with water. That they die not. Ladies and gentlemen, this was not some optional protocol. Some ritual For only the Levites, this was required that they die not. It is said again, they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not. It shall be a statute forever. Exodus 30, 21 records, it shall be a statute forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to meet with our Savior. We're going to have to recognize the necessity of washing ourselves with His Word. I rise today to tell you this. There's nothing greater on this planet than the Word of God. Somebody said, I need a word from God today. Can I tell you that this Bible is full of words from God? Hallelujah. All you got to do is start obeying what's already in the book. You say, I need a more modern translation. I need a more modern interpretation. No, what we need is a more modern form of obedience that says, not my will, but thy will be done. If I can humble myself, if you can humble yourself in obedience to the word of God, he will wash you and your family and your home. Would you lift your hands and your voices right now? And would you declare his glory in this house?
Jesus. Wash us with your word today, oh God. Having offered sacrifice on the brazen altar, the priests, Aaron and his sons, would be bloody. Their hands and their vesture, their feet. But needing to proceed, required of them to proceed toward the tent, into the holy place. I want to say today, because I keep feeling this pricked in my spirit, that serving the Lord is not some sort of a Flat treadmill conveyor belt that you stand on at the Orlando airport as you're going from your parking garage over to the terminal. And you go and you get on that thing and you stand and it just moves you along. Sometimes I think we believe serving God's like that. We just stand on that thing with all of our baggage and just let it pull us to the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to get to heaven, it's going to be stairs. It's going to be walking, stepping. Hello, somebody. Stepping. You don't get to a place where you can just cruise into heaven. You don't get on an elevator and hit the H button for heaven and just cruise on up there to glory. It's going to take every day saying, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm coming again. I'm asking you to help me, God. I've had some struggles. Two steps forward, three steps back, but here I am. I'm back in your house today. I'm back at the labor of water. I'm back at the brazen altar. But I'm going to get to the holy place. I'm not going to stop on the outside of the tent. I'm not going to stop on the perimeter. I'm going to make my way into the midst of the glory of Almighty God. I'm ready for the Shekinah glory of the Lord to fill this house. We got to keep progressing. We got to keep moving forward. But before they could carry out their duties, their priestly duties among the candlestick, table of showbread, the altar of incense, they had to be cleansed. So between the brazen altar and the tabernacle itself, there was to be a laver, a laver of water where the priest could cleanse themselves, wash their hands and their feet. Every priest, every person that would traffic in the presence of God by entering. The Holy of Holies had to wash. There were no exceptions made. Once they were cleansed, they were entitled to proceed with their priestly duties in the tabernacle. But before he could make intercession for others, he had to be cleansed himself. I said before he could make intercession for others, he had to be cleansed himself. I worry about a church in America that has lost their power to intercede for others because we're not clean ourselves. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. You can't come in the presence of God with dirty hands and bloody feet and expect to intercede for others. There's got to be somebody that says, God, before I enter into your presence today, wash me with your word. Wash me with your blood. Wash me with your spirit. Cleanse me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet so that I can pray for my kids, so that I can pray for my spouse, so that I can pray for my friends. I can't intercede unless you cleanse me. He also, Peter wrote, as lively stones 
are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. All of us, ladies and gentlemen, are in this New Testament priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, ladies and gentlemen, prayer is more than just a mere complaint session or a counseling hour. It is ministry. It's where and when we intercede, where we stand in for others. But before we can do that, we must die and we must be washed clean. This is why Paul wrote the Ephesians saying that he might sanctify and cleanse it. What's the it? It's the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Can I remind you that he's coming back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle? How do we reach that place? We're all born in sin, shaken in iniquity. We're all sinners, born in sin. We understand that we're saved by grace through faith. How do we reach that place that we can be a part of a bride that is spotless, without wrinkled? It will not happen unless we are washed by his word. Washed by his word. I know people that don't like to read the Bible because they said it condemns them. It's supposed to condemn you. It's not the funny pages of the newspaper. It's not a comic book. It's the Word of God. It has one purpose, to save your soul. If I read the Bible and it convicts me, it's doing its job and I'll do my job if I allow it to convict me to the point that I call out to the God that will cleanse me. You can't cleanse yourself. I can't cleanse me. Even our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our righteousness won't do it. we got to have His righteousness. And it's simply the washing of His Word that regenerates our thinking, our mind, our actions, our activities so that we can then be presented to Him holy and without blemish. Jesus Christ gave up his life to sanctify us by the washing of his word. The word washes, it cleanses us. Repentance is the application of the blood of Jesus to our life. It is the action of our faith. It is the equivalent of the brazen altar. But it does not stop at Calvary, ladies and gentlemen. There is a short trip to the laver of water. And it is generated by the word. That's why the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8 was in the word was in the Word when he got the revelation of baptism. He was reading Isaiah. The Bible said he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. You combine worship and the Word and you get revelation. I'm going to just say that again. If you combine worship and the Word, you're going to get revelation. You said, I want to know what God's got for me. Then you ought to spend every day saying, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I'm going to start every day blessing his holy name. I'm going to spend every day glorifying God and spending time in the word. You say, Pastor, I don't understand it all. Neither did the Ethiopian eunuch. 
He was a man of some renown. He was part of the cabinet, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. The Bible said he was a keeper of the treasure. He was a man of prestige. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship because he had heard about the God of Jerusalem. Don't you know that your friends and neighbors know about your faith? And they're curious about it. People, even if they're not serving God, they can tell when you got the real thing or if you're just playing games. I'm going to tell you what, folks. If you're going to go to church, you might as well meet God there. If you're going to serve God, you might as well give it everything you got. I know Peter made a lot of mistakes and he said a lot of things before he thought, but I'm going to tell you something about Peter that God loved. He loved his heart. And at one point when he didn't want the Lord to wash his feet, and the Lord said, if I can't wash your feet, Peter, you can't have any part of my kingdom. He said, well, don't just stop with my feet. Then wash my head and wash my hands. I feel like that's where we are today as apostolic Pentecost. Lord, we're not, want, we're not just wanting to go through a Sunday morning routine. We're not just going through the motion. We're not just doing a drama. We're not just going through some sort of an Easter protocol. We are here because we desire to meet with you. We're asking you, God, to wash us. Is there anybody that will join me with spiritual hunger and say, watch me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet? Say, oh, but I, I don't understand it all. Neither did the man from Ethiopia. That's why God took Philip and pulled him right out of a hot, red hot fire revival in Samaria and plopped him down the middle of the desert in the Gaza Strip in southern Israel and put him down there, dropped him off, and here comes a chariot. And the Ethiopian eunuch's got his scroll out, and he's reading, and he can hear. He must have been reading out loud. Philip says, Understand it, Sabbath, thou readest. He said, How can I, except some man should guide me? Stops the chariot, tells the driver to stop, invites Philip up into this chariot. They'd never even met each other before. But one is reading the word. And the other is being directed by God. Let me tell you something. If you've got a hunger for God's word, God will work on the other side of the equation. I said, your answer is coming up the other side. If you'll just do what you can do, he'll do what you can't do. He'll, give you, he'll open your eyes, put somebody in your life that will explain the word of God, give you revelation, understanding. The Bible says they went their way, and they're in the word that they came upon an oasis of water. Can I say it this way? A laver of water. A body of water. This is New Testament now, folks. This laver of water in the Old Testament tabernacle was not confined to just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the Gaza, in that desert area, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, they see a body of water. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, only if thou believest. And they commanded the chariot to stand still. In fact, just so you can understand it a little more clearly, we have invited the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip to come and be with us this morning at First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay, Florida. They're backstage right now. They're so excited to come out. Is the Ethiopian eunuch here? There he is right there. Look at that hat. He's reading the scroll. Philip is showing him what Isaiah was saying. What was it all about? Here's water right here. Here's water. Take your hat off. Give me the scroll. I can be baptized right here, right here, right now. Get down in the water. 
The Bible said they went down in the water. Wasn't no sprinkling. I'm talking about all the way under the water. In the name of Jesus Christ. He baptized it right there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he didn't die in the desert. I believe he took it back to Ethiopia. Because there's an apostolic church in Ethiopia of over one million people that have been baptized in the name of Jesus. It's for whosoever will, if we're washed by his word. psalmist said thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee the flesh was offered up and it died but then it was washed and it was cleansed there was a work of repentance and sanctification that happened first at the altar and then the labor as Romans 7 tells us in me that is in my flesh is no good thing flesh had to be dealt with for a priest to minister to God or for man. But look at this labor for just a couple of more minutes. There's no record of measurement for the labor of water. Every other piece of furniture in the tabernacle had a measurement. But not the labor of water. It was without measure. It was made of solid brass, which is symbolic of judgment. God's word, my friend, will always have the last word. And whether we are spiritually clean or not, it will have the final say. 2 Timothy 2 assures us the word of God is not bound. There are no limitations on its ability to discern us and to cleanse us. And on that note, consider this. The labor was made of mirrors. Looking glasses. The Bible says, and he made the labor of brass and the foot of it brass of the looking glasses of the women assembled. Which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, Exodus 38 8. The labor was made of mirrors. What laid there in the bottom of that was simply one mirror after another. So that when the priest approached it, he saw himself not mistaken who he was or what condition he was in he could see clearly that he needed cleansing David said search me oh God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts see if there be any wicked way in me lead me in the way everlasting we come to the labor in our prayers, having first visited the altar and offering ourselves up, dying to God. We are now coming to God's Word, and we're looking at ourselves through the Word of God as God sees us. James 1, through 25 says, Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word 
and not a doer. He is like unto man beholding his natural face in a glass. Think about the parity of this. The laver of water was made out of looking glass where you could come and see yourself. But then in the New Testament, James describes the difference between being a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. You and I can assemble ourselves together in this place today and we can hear the word and we can leave and go out that door the same way that we came in. And it's nothing more than just looking in a mirror. Or there can be a spiritual transformation. He said, he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. It's very possible for all of us in our humanity to do that today, to simply look into the Word, but to not be washed by the Word, to simply be a hearer, but not a doer. But I'm thankful that James tells us the right path to take. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, I'm so thankful for the law of liberty. People think of the law as being bondage. But my friend, if you understand the law, you'll understand the law of liberty in Christ. He said, if you look into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, you got to keep going. You can't just stop at the labor water, look in the mirror and say, oh my, and turn around and go back out the front gate. you got to keep going. And at that point, he said, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, if I allow the word of God to wash me by its reflection of who I am. And the fact that every one of us are lost and undone. That regardless of how good we may think we are, the word of God will show us through that mirror. Through that perfect law of liberty. That we need to make some things right with God today. And if we will heed to that and be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word, then our journey continues into the holy of holies. If not, we turn around and go back to the blood at the brazen altar. So my rhetorical question for all of us here today is simply this. What path will we take? Will we allow the word of God to wash us? Or will we only allow it to be a looking glass and then to turn around and return back from whence we came? If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ this morning, I want to give you an invitation to be baptized in Jesus' name. But if you have been baptized in Jesus' name, but you said, I need to be washed by his word today, I believe that God will call you into his presence, past the altar, past the that brazen altar and past that labor of water and into the presence of a holy God that says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. There is a meeting place that God has assembled us together for that distinct purpose. The question before us is, will we continue into that by being a doer of the word? Would you stand to your feet this morning? I feel the Holy Ghost speaking. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking. The Word of God has been preached. 
question is, has it fallen on good ground? What is the condition of our hearts? You say, I want to be washed by his word today. I want to invite you to step out from where you're standing. Come down to this altar. We finished a little early this morning so we would have time. I want to invite you to step out from where you're standing and come down at this altar and say, Lord, I'm not going to just be a hearer of the word. I'm going to be a doer of the word. I thank you for your word, God, but I want to be washed by it. I want to be saturated with it. I want to be baptized with your word. I want to be baptized in water. I want to be baptized with your spirit. John the Baptist came preaching the baptism of repentance. But when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. He said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Is there anybody in this building today, you said, I'm ready to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I wonder now all across this building as the saints of God are gathering at this altar. Come on, make your way down to this brazen altar. Come on, don't worry. You don't have to have everything right. You don't have to have everything straight. Come on and bring it. Put it on this altar right now. Now lift up your hands and lift up your voice. And would you cry out to God, cleanse me today. Cleanse me today, oh God. Cleanse me today, oh God. Wash me with your word, oh God. I'm not making any more excuses. I'm not putting this on anybody else. I'm asking you, God, to shine the spotlight of your word on my own heart, my own shortcomings. I'm asking you today, God, to cleanse me with your word. I submit myself unto you today, oh God. I stand before you today, oh God, desiring to be in relationship, to be in fellowship with you, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, wash me today, oh God. Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus.